Welcome back to the Pet Cash Pod presented by ProFluent Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Pet Cash. As always, hosting the founders, investors, executives, athletes, and smartest people in sports that have deep, insightful conversations. You can view all the podcasts at profluence.com slash podcast. You'll see nearly all 100 there, one year in of podcast. It's amazing. Tons of great stuff ahead for 2024, which I'll keep you updated on in the near future. But uh, anyway, great podcast. Today, we had two co-founders on. Griffith and Jared. They are from the program NYC, building a super cool facility all around bringing the best basketball talent and potentially other sports and beyond into a central facility, potential prep school, tons of content and merch and all these other opportunities. Super insightful, tons to learn. If you're in basketball, this is a must listen. In uh, my uh, opinion, if you do anything around youth sports or even uh, just uh, like locations or facilities or anything in that. Uh, and if you know people, if you're listening and you know people that are, you know, send this to them. But anyway, let's dive right in the program NYC. <music> Fellas, Jared Griffin, appreciate you coming on today. Excited to, uh, break down into the program new york city basketball so uh yeah this is this is all this is up my alley right here basketball nil you sports so thanks for coming on hi guy good good to be on andrew thanks you for having us we're gonna have to get a uh a, a program aces game too I, that just came to my mind we'll, we'll have to get, we get talked, some we we, we, we talked about it yeah, yeah yeah we'll get we'll get some set up there but anyway we'll get back to that people will know what we're talking about a little bit more but give us a uh, quick backgrounds on uh, yourselves, how you met each other, and then uh, the inspiration to uh, to build the program, which which we'll get into um, all around a, a facility and, and team in, in the New York City area. Our, our meeting story is Griffin's favorite, so I'll, I'll let him jump on that one. Yeah, yeah man. Well, so Jared and I are lifelong childhood friends. He dropped 40 points on me in an eighth grade Upper East Side uh, rec league game. I I always joke he was he was uh, Caucasian Rajon Rondo. He was just <laughs> no jump shot, but couldn't stay in front of him. It was very tough to guard. So resented him for dropping forty on me in front of my mom and, and family and friends for for a couple of years. But always really loved him as a person, and you know was one of my really really good friends that that I always kind of felt more like was a brother to me than just a friend. And uh, so we stayed in in touch over the years and. Uh, you know, had this idea a decade ago that something was missing in the New York City basketball market. And we were a little bit young to know exactly what that was or what we were doing. And then we reconnected uh, a couple of years ago, almost two years to this day at a wedding, sat down to lunch the next week, kind of looked at our respective networks and skill sets and saw the same hole in the New York basketball market and, you know, humbly kind of said, why not us? Why not now? And you know, really the premise is pretty straightforward, right? New York City was the mecca for basketball for uh, 50 plus years. You know, if you turned on a Big East or ACC game 20 years ago, it felt like half the players on the court, at least the point guards, had a certain swagger and and, and went to yeah. a New York City high school. And, you know, from the heyday of Riverside and Gauchos to Rucker Park to Lincoln at Coney Island, New York was just unmatched in terms of aura and swagger and producing talent. And you know, the past 15, 20 years for a multitude of reasons, um, it's taken a backseat a little bit at the youth and grassroots level. And so Jared and I are very excited and confident at, you know, with with all of our ideas and network that, that we're the ones to kind of be able to help put it back on the map um, at the highest level reputationally as the Mecca again. Very cool. And uh, 
Yeah, man. The the I'm a pit basketball fan, as, as some people know, listening and the Dewan Blair, Levance Fields, those teams were just straight oh, New so, York so, City so born teams right there. It's crazy because I was like, I'm rambling too much. I'm not going to go into this analogy. But Vance, <laughs> I remember 15 years ago, and I'm aging Jared and I, but we were watching the Sweet 16 and Pitt was playing Xavier and Levance was like, and Levance has beaten many of my Rucker and Dykeman streetball teams over the years. But I remember Levance was like, he took a deep three early in the shot clock and he wasn't known as a three-point shooter and he hit it to beat Xavier. And I remember he got interviewed on CBS right after. And she was like, you're a 20 something percent three point shooter. What made you take that three and know you're going to make it? And he said, I'm from Brooklyn. If I miss that three, I'm not going home. And (laughs) that was Jamie Dixon and Pitt. And he only recruited in New York. So you, you know, well, what the heyday was and what Jared and I are bringing. Yeah. I mean, them beating Duke and Levance in that shot too. Yeah. It's, uh, those were those were the days of Big East, the Big it, East. Days. It's that New New York swag, specifically with point guards, which which I identify with, since that's really yeah the, the height limit of of what I was capable of. But uh, <laughs> yeah, another thing. I mean, just back to our story, like they would never let Griff and I play on the same team together. So for me, you know, to be able to do this with him now, it's it's been a long time coming, but it does it does feel like the dynamic duo we we always thought it would be that's awesome yeah the, you're you're in the backcourt but on the in the the business sense the business backcourt that's right yeah, yeah. now you, you mentioned some things brought down or slowed down this new york basketball progress taking away you know what kind of happened over the last 15 years or, or what are some of those factors that have caused it to to not be what it was you know 10 15 years ago yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm happy to take a stab at it and, and Jay back me up with anything I miss. But, um, you know, I, I think it's a multitude of factors. And, you know, it's it's not all just a condemnation of New York as much as it is praising other states and markets that have done a great job, right? You know, I think other states, California, Georgia, Texas, they're producing some really high-level kids now. I think, you know, looking internationally too, I was looking at the mock draft for next year and I think half of the lottery picks, right, are projected to come from, you know, France and Australia and Europe. And so, like, there just aren't as many slots, right, for American-born players as, as there used to be, and which is a good thing. The sport is global now. And I think, you know, also a little bit of saturation of the AAU market in New York. I think when Jared and I were growing up, you either were on Riverside, you were on Gauchos, there was 30 spots and 300 point guards trying to get on. And there was a certain fierce competitiveness that you know, maybe there's more teams, right, than there are players the last few years. But, you know, also prep school, right? You know, I think that, um, you know, kids grow up here and then when they leave at 14, 15 to go to school in Massachusetts or North Carolina or Florida, you know, you kind of lose touch a little bit and you don't remember them quite as well, the New York story. And then you see them five years later on March Madness dropping buckets and you're like, oh, he's from New York. That's right. But um, I think that's kind of a really real thing. And then finally, just, you know, I think we had probably a 15, 20 year period from when Ron Artest and Lamar Odom last really made it, you know, where some of our sort of can't miss prospects, I don't want to say missed, but took alternate paths, right? And so maybe that next generation didn't see those success stories quite as much or get recruited quite as much based on that. So those are sort of some of the theories. And I think Jay jump in with with whatever I missed. Yeah, I mean, I think Griffin nailed it. I, I would say that, you know, to second what he was saying, kids identifying being from New York hasn't been the same. Like Griffin's saying, like 14, 15 years old, oh, you're going to Mont Verde, right? Then when you go to college, they're saying, oh, that's where you went to high school, right? So you kind of miss that narrative. Oh, he was actually, you know, brought up in New York, right? I remember I was watching um, the tournament two years ago and Cormac Ryan was going off for Notre Dame. 
And they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's from New York and went to collegiate. And I was like, what? Like, that's like a private, you know, private school in the city, not known for, you know, developing guys who are going to go play D1. So that was that was very interesting to me. But yeah, I would say there's there are multiple uh, reasons why it's kind of dropped off a bit. And I think that Griffin, I just really want to make sure that people don't forget, like, there's plenty of talent where where we are. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, there's still a, there's a chart floating out there somewhere. And it has the hot spots of where uh, it follows population trends pretty closely, but it's like New York, Chicago, I believe it's Houston and LA are still sort of where the most NBA players originate out of. But I, I want to go to your point of, of prep school a little bit and go a little deeper into that. And then also NIL, name, image, and likeness, because playing at BU, I was only one of two kids that didn't play at a prep school, whether that was a post-grad year or a, uh, you know, you if you're from the north northeast Connecticut wherever New York you do, you just go there for 3 4 years anyway but uh i guess just explain like go from a simplified perspective anyway most people don't even understand what prep school and prep basketball is and i think that's an interesting gateway sort of into what you guys are doing uh w- which we'll get into sort of after this yeah i'm 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 happy to shoot for that one um so you know just the idea of prep school basketball i think we should start with right so Specifically now and more than ever, high schools, there are certain high schools that are designed specifically to help very talented sports athletes. There are plenty, you know, every sport has it now, but the popularity of these schools that are popping up that are specifically designed for kids who are hoping to go D1 and make this a professional career, they, they need to be spending their time playing and training as much as possible, still getting their education, right? But that is very hard to do at a, a regular high school. You know, I would say that IMG really was kind of like the blueprint for how this is supposed to go. And, and a bunch have popped up since. But the other thing is you look across in Europe, right? The soccer academy model is brilliant and it's worked for years. I feel, and, and we've talked to people in the NBA, that that is eventually what's going to happen with, with these NBA teams. They'll actually start creating their own academies where not only are they teaching basketball, but there'll, there'll be some sort of educational you know, aspect to it, right? And so um, as Griffin has, has said before, there isn't really anything like that in New York, right? You got a few, you know, Lawrenceville, um, Joe Kim Noah went there, Long Island Lutheran's got some kids now, but definitely no spot where you'd be like, oh yeah, that's the place where these kids should be going right now, right? And I, it's a large part of our premise is if we could get these kids to turn and stay and look in at home, like we would have a like an incredible group of kids and be pretty, you know, I think be on the national map pretty quickly. Yeah. Now, now leading into that, and, and I appreciate the the explanation because it's, it's wild. You talk to people from the West coast or Midwest, they don't, they're like, wait, prep school, what? And you're like, yeah, like it's a huge number one business because a lot of kids, you either get a scholarship to go there, you're paying 50, 60,000 a year. But, uh, and, and let me just go a little deeper too on it. You're either, there's a lot of really smart kids that are going to that prep year to try to get into an IV and get their ACTs, SATs up, or it's the athletic side. So it's almost all athletes are really high academic and, and you're in, you can be in the, a cabin in the middle of Maine. But like you said, bring it now down to, to the big cities. So going off that now, the program, you know, what are you, what are you guys building? Obviously you sort of mentioned it here and there, but give us the, the high level overview of all the different scopes of it. For sure. So. Definitely. I think, you know, first and foremost, 
a big gap that Jared and I see in New York. When we go to other cities and other markets like Phoenix and LA, there's sort of one or or in a lot of cases, multiple training hubs, right? State-of-the-art facilities where, you know, if I want to get better at my game, that's anything from not just five on five, but strength and conditioning, diet and nutrition, film study, form shooting, right? Um, recovery. There's there's something available, right, to kids. And in New York, I think because of how tricky the city is and however many skyscrapers and however few miles of bedrock there are, it's tricky to find the space to have those kind of centralized facilities and hubs. So, you know, kids are very oftentimes having to go to one borough or neighborhood, right, just to get shots up and another one for strength and conditioning and another one for recovery. And so Jared and I felt like if we could bring all the different components that go into being a successful modern day basketball player to one place, and then all the best coaches and administrators, right? The same thing for coaches and trainers. They're often very scattered in New York. Mm -hmm. If we can create one central curriculum where they can all contribute what they're the best at in one central place, we felt like that would be a big step toward giving our kids what they need to get back to the higher levels again. So the first year or two is really going to be focusing on what is that training center and what is that training program where a kid who's just getting introduced to the game, right, that, you know, may only want to play it recreationally, all the way up to a kid who's been in EYBL for two years and is looking to go mid or high major. We have a spot in our uh, facility and we have an offering for you. I think once that training model is up and running and humming and you know, I think there's also sort of the component where a lot of our investors and advisors who are in the NBA are like, we really want to help the youth, but we could also use this in the offseason, right? And, you know, there's a content and marketing play around having all those guys in your gym that a lot, a lot have emulated really well. And then finally, you know, Jared really touched on the prep school component in that model. I think with high school basketball now, in a good way, there's so many different routes you can take, right? You know, you can go to a Northeast prep school, you can go to a specialized league like OTE. And so, you know, we want every kid in the New York area to do what's best for him and her. But we really feel like if we had you know, an academy team and a prep school component right here in the city that gave kids 24-7 access to training and allowed them to go compete against Montverde and Sierra Canyon and be seen at the highest levels and brush shoulders with guys like Carmelo Anthony and Chris Mullen and other investors we have, a lot of kids might really want to stay in New York, right? And sort of help put us back on the map, that team in particular. So really training facility in years one and two, and really ultimately the goal is to do our diligence to eventually offer that academy and prep school solution to kids right here in the five boroughs yeah it's it's awesome and we've even seen in pittsburgh not many prep schools but uh i think you both will appreciate this story a few years ago real i don't know if he's a billionaire or what but his kid was uh they wanted he was from, he didn't want to leave pittsburgh so he just created a prep school out of thin air brought in all these top kids you know probably paid them or whatever he did and just created uh can't i'm blanking on the name of it now but just created it for his kid and it got him his kid a D1 offer, which was like the end goal of it. But all the other guys, they're all still playing it at high levels, which is uh, cool, but but actually formalizing doing it in a much better way. Now, go through sort of the, uh, and I'm assuming this will be for you, Jared, but like the business model a little bit more of the different avenues, because you've mentioned some things from academy to training, the content to team. And what, what does that look like from uh, the actual standpoint of the program as, as a business itself that, of course... Carmelo and Mullen and these guys want to give back and be a part of it. But, you know, there's people looking for for returns too out of yeah. what you can build. Yeah, absolutely. So like Griffin mentioned, years one and two, it's going to be a phased approach. Years one and two, we're really hoping to basically create, and you could call it this, 
the Equinox of basketball in New York City, right? What I love about Equinox is you join the membership, that's a general fee, and then they basically have like a la carte classes, right? And ways to use the gym. I think that that's our mindset in terms of our offerings, right? We'll have group training, one-on-ones, leagues, camps, you know, any anything that I, I feel like is basketball related, like strength and development, right? We'll have all of these sorts of opportunities for these kids and their parents to elect kind of what they want to make out of the program. And the idea is, you know, we'll hopefully get 300 uh, families paying, you know, a few thousand dollars, you know, for, for general admission to the gym. And then, as we said, like your a la carte program is really whatever you want to make it. We also are developing our own curriculum that we're going to be, call, you know, it's going to call the program that's still kind of being hashed out. But so, so those first two years is really about, you know, getting kids in the gym, getting families, creating the buzz, right? Really making this place cool. And then down the road, the academy, like Griffin said, is our North Star. But other, other revenue streams that we think go along with the train model, right? We're creating content now. We hope to have sponsorship around that stuff. Once the gym's up and running, we've, sp- we've spoken to a lot of D2C brands who want to activate, right? So the you know, Hyperice, for example, is, is um, going to build out our recovery room and, and do a lot of it in kind for us. And, and that's smart for them, right? They get these kids in their chairs, pictures, like the whole thing. So I would say, you know, years one and two, very focused on this training facility model. And then, you know, we hope that we'll be in a good spot to start the, you know, the school aspect. And you mentioned earlier, Andrew, like IMG, these kids are paying 50 grand to go there, right? They have eight basketball teams. One team is all scholarship kids and they're all going to play at Duke, you know, Kentucky, et cetera, right? It's the other seven teams that's the most interesting, right? Like, they're smart kids. They might be good at basketball, but what they're shooting for is a great education or potentially to walk on at an Ivy or a D3, right? And that is what we hope to emulate at one point is we definitely want super talented kids and, you know, chase that dream. But um, I think the stable piece of the academy will be hopefully kids who want to, you know, increase their level of playing and maybe get to that level, but uh, have a really great shot from an academic you know, perspective to get to one of those really good schools. You see this beyond basketball at all, or, or that's the the whole vision, at least for for the foreseeable future. Uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna wax poetic. Basketball is definitely our our number one goal right now. It would be nice one day. I mean, I have a soccer background, so okay, I'll leave that out there in the in the long long future. But I'm, we, I'm hearing I'm hearing this for the first time. That's <laughs> in plans, but uh, it doesn't it doesn't survive. Well, I thought he was going to say pickleball. I was going to nah. say Griffin's probably hoping for pickleball or paddle or one of these emerging ones. I mean, that shoot, you'll get the the young hoopers and the culture in there. Then you'll get the old, you know, Wall Street guys playing their pickleball in exactly. one place. Not a bad mix. But but what what ages too? Obviously, if you have the prep school being more high school, but well, from the training component, you know, how young do you see that going? Of when it makes sense to bring people in and give them these programming. Yeah, I, I think there are a lot of really good like little kid programs out there, you know, basically four to 10, 11, right? Where I think that the miss has been is, you know, sixth grade on. And I think that that's sort of the age group that that Griffin, I feel we're, we're really catering to. And obviously the real estate component, I, I don't know if you guys have figured this out yet, or you have that all in plan or building already, but you know, how have you navigated that? Because I would imagine, like you said, it is fragmented, but probably a large piece of it is because you're not in the middle of Kansas and you just go, you know, set up a facility anywhere. How, how did you uh, navigate that? It's easily the hardest thing that we're dealing with right now. You know, we've been looking for space for over a year, have gotten very close on a few deals. But, and Griffith says this all the time, if we do a deal that hamstrings us before we can even open, you know, we're dead in the water, right? So 
we have to be really, really thorough about where we're looking, what the deal looks like, and make sure that it it fits with our timeline and our projections, right? So knock on wood, we're, we're close on two or three right now that we feel good about. I'm, I'm not going to say where they are, so I don't jinx it. But we, you know, it's hard to find columnless space in New York. It's hard to find warehouses that are seem like a good fit to be able to put a gym in there. And, you know, especially with the business world being in New York, there are a lot of, I would say, easier tenants to put into <laughs> these warehouses than us, right? You kind of have to have a little bit of a, like a, a vision for, to put in the gym there. I think just adding, building up that 1.2 is New York is five boroughs, right? And so mm-hmm. the biggest, another challenge is building a space that has centrality to kids in all those different markets, right? You can build a beautiful gym in one borough, but if a kid two boroughs away doesn't feel like he or she can access it, then that's a challenge. And so I think Jared and I, and, and Jared's really led on a lot of the real estate, you know, have done a great job sort of figuring out what won't work. Uh, and now we're very close to identifying a space that will work. And if nothing else, when we walk by, when I walk by a warehouse in the middle of the street, I can immediately say 19 and a half foot ceilings. And my friends <laughs> look at me and they're like, what? And I'm like, I, you know, we spent a lot of time in empty warehouses, Jared and I. Oh, yes. And what, I mean, what does that perfect one look like? in your mind like what is it what does it have obviously it needs room for basketball courts and stuff but like what what else are you putting in these facilities i know you mentioned some recovery rooms but i'm sure you got a lot of cool yeah griff you uh, can give the the vision i think yeah for sure so the 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 most important is going to be uh hardwood flooring right that anyone from a kid just getting introduced to the game to a 10-year nba veteran feels like is conducive to them being able to train and be on it all day a turf training area is, is is really important to us you know allocating that thousand square feet for cardio and weights and so on and so forth um definitely going to have a recovery room jared mentioned hyper ice being an awesome partner so far made some really exciting drawings so you know, being able to, to provide that, um, you know, to high school age kids, that's something you typically see in NCA locker rooms, right? So having that recovery is really key to us. Juice Press is another one who um, does a great job with retail uh, at Equinox and other, you know, really elevated gyms. And they're going to come in and kind of build us out a juice bar. So when kids walk in the gym, they'll be thinking about eating and drinking a little bit healthier, right? And sort of how to carry yourself that way. And then um, I think content and film, right? You know, not only for guys like JJ Reddick, they want to come host a podcast episode there, right? Um, or if we want to film a mini series there, but also being able to tell a kid who's 14, 15 years old, hey, we just got shots up for an hour. You just had a two hour game. Let's sit down and let's really dissect and go through what that looked like on the film. So we can fit all that and and then kind of making it sort of like a uh, a museum of, of sorts for New York basketball. So Jared and I have talked to a lot of our NBA investors and advisors about having their famous high school jerseys, right? in the rafters mm-hmm. at the gym and walking in and kind of seeing what the iconic New York City basketball moments were. So that's kind of the vision is mixing really high end elevated with paying homage to the super historical is New York basketball. Very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. I can't wait to once you guys find it to get out there and, and hang we'll see out. How big, we'll see how big your jump shot really is. You're, you're, <laughs> oh, you we'll, call me my accolades. So we'll, we'll we, find we, will, we will see. And I'm assuming you'll have a few guns in there to get the shots back. Like the, I should yeah. probably say like mach- shooting so for, machine yeah, guns, yeah. not not guns. We'll do. <laughs> I mean, you know, we want to have data analytics, right? We, you know, we're we're going to make this like you can think of it almost as a you know NCA level type of facility. Yeah. Very cool. Well, fellas, first off, appreciate you coming on. But one question I do ask everyone, and, and I think you both can, uh, you both can probably give an answer to this. But any other trends 
in basketball or sports in general you're paying attention to that uh, you find fascinating or interesting or keeping an eye on just because of of what you're building? Yeah, I think the WNBA has done a tremendous job over the past few years of really bringing that league um, to the forefront, right? And for Griffin and I, of course, you know, we want to have a great men's program, but I think that our girls program is potentially even more important. And, you know, we're, we're leaning into that pretty heavy, um, continuing to keep our eyes on, on what's going on. We've developed a really great relationship with one of the better AU programs in the city for their girls. What's their name, Griff? Um, Exodus Hoops. Yeah, Exodus Hoops. So, you know, really, really making sure that, um, like Griffin said, like we want all ages, all colors, all genders in there and, you know, want to make this as, as accessible to everyone as we possibly can. Amazing answer. And <clears throat> Jared's also a girl dad, um, with a, with a daughter named MJ. So you, you will, you will, you will be seeing her not only in the facility, but hopefully on TV one day. Um, starting <laughs> she, to she's got up. the hoop in the crib already. I'm, 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 I'm starting her early. You, you got to. My dad yeah. always said, even I was like one, he'd start just tossing me a tennis ball. Like, Hey, you got to build that hand eye. And then when you're like two, he's like, yo, I had you like just playing with the basketball. So yeah, she's, I guess tough, already. she's tough already. That's for sure. That's yes. awesome. Well, fellas, I guess uh, last thing here, you know, where can we learn more about the program, NYC? What's your website, socials? Where can we get in contact with you guys? Anything on that front would be awesome as we close out here. Definitely. So our website, theprogramnyc.com. So definitely keep up there. Always trying to, 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 to be as good of a website host as we are a visionary around basketball gyms. So we're constantly working on our site and keeping our um, visitors up to date. And then um, our Instagram is at theprogramnyc. So pretty, pretty um, good and easy one to remember. And then our YouTube is also at theprogramnyc and Jared referenced it. But we have some really cool content pieces coming up with some top high school players in the Northeast area. So definitely give us a follow on YouTube and, and we got some really great content coming there very soon. Yeah, that's awesome. And the last thing I was just looking through, make sure I didn't miss anything. I had a, an NBA player once tell me, LA, it's a billion dollar youth, youth basketball market. Obviously, there's you could literally say any number here. And I don't <laughs> know if you... But like, what, what do you think New York? You think bigger, smaller? What, what's your thoughts if you do condense it? I'm sure uh, you've, you've even had this question maybe from investors sometimes. I'm like, oh, how big is this target market? I think um, LA is a similar demographic in terms of amount of people, right? And, and how many kids are interested in basketball. Um, New York, obviously a small landmass, but just decked on, on deck on deck of people and people, right? So I don't know if we have a number, but I, w I would say that I would feel it's pretty similar to, you know, I don't know if a billion is a real number or not, but it, the, the, the opportunity is massive. We, we definitely believe that. Yeah. I, I don't know. A billion's a lot. I don't it's think anyone can contextualize it, but yeah, I don't know. Basel's a, a big market, but anyway, guys, appreciate you uh, coming on today and excited to get out to that facility. Thank you very much, Andrew. It was a pleasure to be here. Appreciate you having us, Andrew.